In the Fuzzy Memories podcast, we celebrate the good, the rad, and the fugly of the 80s and 90s. We're three latchkey kids who made it out alive. And in each episode, we break down all the culture that popped one year at a time. Whether it's the birth of legends. I'm Lyme disease free today and I have Whitney Houston and MTV to thank. (laughs) Or audacious moves. Imagine also the the poor Golden Gate Bridge. You turn 75 and people have a party on you. I don't want that. Or even confusing PSAs. In the stop, drop, and roll. I mean, we would, I assume as an adult, I would catch on fire weekly. All the time! (laughs) We've got a take that will make you laugh. We've also got thoughts on all sorts of random phenomena and the most unmitigated of golf. Why sharks can't be trusted, people can't be trusted, and rivers can't be trusted. (laughs) It's collusion. It's of the highest degree! Uh Uh-huh. You were counseling me to start my remarks with, first of all, bitch. <laughs> that one, everyone in that room would have snapped to attention. It's going to be basically coffee lids, shark revenge, and then maybe like Matt gets. <laughs> we need to do something about him. Join us every other Wednesday to celebrate the hits, the misses, and the misfits of the weirdest decades. If I could tell my 14-year-old self from 1990 that I would be eating in a cheesecake factory in, in Beverly, Beverly Hills, I'd be like, we did it. We, we did it, Joe. We did it. <laughs> Listen and subscribe to Fuzzy Memories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. Hey, Broads and Books listeners. We've got an exciting offer for you. Libro FM lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. With Libro.fm, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same prices as you'll find elsewhere, but you'll be part of a much different story, one that supports community. And listeners of Broads and Books get three audiobooks for the price of one. To listen, all you need is a smartphone and the free Libro FM app. From there, you check out recommendations and curated lists from the people who know audiobooks best local booksellers we love this deal because we love audiobooks and we love supporting local and indie bookstores to get your special deal for listening to broads and books go to libro.fm l-i-b-r-o dot f-m and enter broads and books all one word you can find that url and the special code in this episode's show notes in your podcast player and on our website Hello, and welcome to Broads and Books. I'm Amy. And I'm Erin, and this is episode number 62, Where Is My Mind? Oh, this Pixie song. It's one of my favorites. Yes. And I picked it this week because I liked the idea of characters who might be losing their mind, or characters who are being told that they're losing their minds. A little gaslighting, if you will. Yes. We've talked about that before. We the have. idea of gaslighting. Yeah. We have talked about gaslighting before and mm-hmm. nothing makes me angrier. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's such an insidious thing it and it is. feels very individual. Mm-hmm. Like someone is manipulating one other person in particular to control them mm-hmm. in a way by making them feel crazy. Yes. And I think that that's actually a universal feeling that people don't often mm-hmm. recognize is when someone else is convincing you you're crazy, but inside you're like, I'm not though. I know mm-hmm. that this is right. But it becomes harder and harder to hold on to that sense of, I know what's right yes. when someone, especially someone you care about mm-hmm. is trying to make you. Yes. So that's what this week's about. Some, uh, you know, people being convinced that they're crazy. Yeah. When they're yeah. not. When they're not. We're here to tell you you're not. <laughs> <laughs> is that a blanket statement? Even yeah. if someone is crazy? Even if you are crazy, some it's days fine. you need to feel like Some you're not. days, yes. So, yes. And is. aren't we all a little crazy in this world right all now? All the best people are, that's yeah. all I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so kind of speaking to that, have you ever experienced something where you felt like you were in a dream? Like 
you're not sure if this is happening. Is this real? What's going on? Yeah. And it was in a sort of political situation, which, you know, I mean, I think we could probably say that for the last four years of our political um, existence. But I'm thinking particularly of when I was in high school, I volunteered um, on a campaign and it was some sort of school project. Like you had to volunteer somewhere in the community. And I can't remember if I told this story before. I don't don't think think I have, but I volunteered for the Equal Rights Amendment campaign. And it was the, the state campaign to add the words and women to all men are created equal in the state constitution right in my mind a slam dunk this makes great sense why wouldn't we want to add the words and women yeah i work through the campaign i do lots of you know menial labor i'm feeling good and then it doesn't pass and i literally like i there's so many things i think about with that moment i think a it felt so surreal like why wouldn't this pass this makes Mm. no sense Mm -hmm. and b it kind of has um, made me, you know, the way I am politically, where it's like, well, of course, because it's logical and logic doesn't work in this world. Right. Yeah. Well, that had to be particularly when you put a lot of time and effort into yeah. something and then it doesn't work. That's really. And you realize that other people don't see things through the same lens you do. Or, and some of them, quite frankly, have a crazy lens. And there was super crazy. I remember around that time, there was a lot of stuff like Pat Robertson's comments about, you know, feminism making women into witches and lesbians. Um, all that kind of stuff was being brought up around this campaign. And so seeing the crazy that comes out, especially with a particular kind of men and women mm-hmm. when the idea of a woman being equal to a man is brought up was just it was stunning and it made me feel like we were all living in a weird ass dream <laughs> that's a perfect example that's a good one i didn't even think of it in that context but yeah there's so many things yeah that are true to that yeah i think yeah yeah well aaron have you ever had an experience where you thought everyone around you lost their minds and you were the only sane one Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, one that jumped to my mind, and I'm not sure if I spoke about it in length or detail on before, but um, one of the first trips that Mike and I took to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I think I know the story. We decided, actually, I shouldn't say we, he'd be very angry. <laughs> I decided to book like a sunset dinner cruise because I thought, oh, it'd be nice, like a good way to see the sunset. And I was pregnant with Mason at the mm-hmm. time. So there was also activities that I was trying, that were like a balance between being like too much and whatever. So we walk up to the place that you have to check in at this boat and we look over and there's a couple and I don't quite know how to describe what she was wearing because I've never seen it in any other context except one. But it was like this blue, shiny lycra material, very tight. Mm -hmm. And then she had on shoes that were very tall and Mm -hmm. clear and lit up. So Mm -hmm. like heels that light up in in the heel. Sure, sure. And I was like, that is a bold statement Mm -hmm. and very odd for a sunset dinner cruise, but okay. So, of course, Mike and I are kind of looking at each other, and I was like, they're totally going to end up at our table because we knew that there were tables. Really not believing that, right? Well, yep. Yep. It's a table of four, and those were the people we were sat with. Oh, God. And it just went downhill so fast. I can't even explain to you. Between sitting down and the end where she literally stole cans of pop by sticking them down her bra. And I'm not kidding. Cans of pop. Like, you're not fooling anyone. We can all see them. There's so much stuff in between. And I remember the whole time looking at Mike and just feeling like everyone on the ship is crazy. Because it was like this insane thing was happening to us, but everyone else is having a great time. Like, they're eating, and they're getting up and dancing to the DJ and looking. I completely missed the sunset. There was no sunset cruise for us. <laughs> it was so bizarre. I don't even know. There was napkins stuck to her face at one point. Oh. There was multiple pictures taken. Mm-hmm. There was a discussion about whether or not we were going to exchange phone numbers. Oh. There was a lengthy discussion about swap meets and ones that they had found in Hawaii. Swap meets? Mm-hmm. What's that? you take things and like swap for other oh i was thinking it was like a swingers thing i was like oh okay no no, there was a lengthy discussion about her substance abuse issues oh and raising pit bulls and (laughs) none of this was on our side of the table just to be clear and honestly her husband seemed very nice but he said nothing okay the entire time which you have to assume he does that most of the time yeah like that's their relationship Mm -hmm. yeah 
The only sentence that he uttered the entire time was, and I quote, this chicken is shit. (laughs) (laughs) To which she offered him more chicken. And I was like, I don't know where I am. Like, what just happened? How did I do this to us? Wow. It felt very like I did it. Yeah. And Mike feels that way. Very I mean, describing the story, it kind of sounds that way, too. Although I thought you were going to tell the story of when you went on the hunt for the best banana bread in the world. Oh, yeah. And then you had it and you're like, everyone else is crazy. This yeah, isn't that, that good. Isn't, it isn't good. No. Yeah. That, that was in Hawaii, too. too. Yeah. 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 That, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. yeah. That happened, too. But no, this was. Yeah. I just, I, I remember having kind of an out-of-body feeling. Like, mm-hmm. we're on this, like, no one understands what's happening to us right now. Like, no one gets it. We didn't, Mike and I did not speak for a long time when we got that ship. Like, we were safely in the car on the way back to the hotel. And then I was just like, well, and he's like, no. Nope. No, I'm not ready. <laughs> Is he is he still not ready to talk about it? Can he talk about it now? He, he can, okay, yeah, that's but good. With a sort of, you know, I mean, it was what like blame. seven years ago, six, yeah. Or seven, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of blame. I, on, yeah, on, that I mean, he, he's angry. Yeah, that un- that's to understandable. this day, if someone says something, Sunset Cruise, even if you're not in Hawaii, Mm-mm. he's adamant that you shouldn't go. <laughs> he won't go, and it's a terrible idea. Also, to be fair, I didn't realize when we bought tickets that we would be seated with other people. I don't know why I didn't. I wouldn't think that either. And I wouldn't have done it if I had thought that. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't really realize that until we walked up to the boat and I saw you could see like, oh, there's bigger tables. Like this isn't going to be just a you and I experience. Yeah. We definitely wouldn't have. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Sounds terrible. Mm -mm. Well, and now (laughs) they gave you drink tickets when we got on. And so I had given all my drink tickets to Mike because I was pregnant. And when we sat down, he hadn't used any yet. He had just gotten a can of pop, which was like free. And she just said like right away, oh, I'm so glad we got sat with people that don't drink. And then she, because she told us all about how long she'd been in Oh my God. So then it was like, well, we, you know, you can't. You can't drink. Yeah, you can't go backwards. And Mike doesn't drink now, but during that time he was. And so he was just, he just looked at me and I was like, you can't Oh no. Mm Mm-hmm. There was a lot of things that day. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good story, though. Uh, okay, so have you ever wished that you had a memory eraser, like from Men in Black, either for you, somebody else? Yeah. I think when I was younger, especially, and I was going through like some rough relationship stuff, mm-hmm. I think in the few years after that, I wished so hard that I could just wipe it all away Mm -hmm. because not only was I feeling like you know all the regular stuff around breakups but there was some shame involved with various things and shame is just such a powerful thing that you just wish could be lifted from you Mm -hmm. but I think so at the time I think I I full-on wanted Will Smith to come and like erase all this shit just take it all away I think only with um, distance and time and a little bit of age do I realize like, no, I, even some of my shitty memories, I want to keep them, you know, Yeah. Um, because in some ways, you know, they've made me who I am. They also made me realize like all that shame that that wasn't right. Like that was yeah. me internalizing stuff other people told me or, you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, I wrote my answer to this before hearing your Hawaii story. If I had had a Hawaii story, I would have wanted that shit wiped, just wiped away. I think Mike would, and I like to keep it because, I mean, I always like a good story, you know? And So, I, question to you. Would yeah. you use a memory eraser? I was thinking the same. It's so funny that you said that because I had the exact same reaction where I was thinking of, like, all these awkward things I've said mm-hmm. or done or... Um, mistakes things like that and I was thinking well I don't really want to take that back because that's something that helped shape me or helped yeah. me figure out you know better choices in the future um but I think if I could have one that was just like for awkward moments like I've said something stupid and it's not like a overreaching life decision it's just I was awkward in the moment mm-hmm. I also have that feeling a lot for other people like if you're oh, watching God, something yeah. and they're awkward it makes me very oh. uncomfortable and I'm like just stop just stop that's just why, stop that's why I can't watch reality TV because yeah. there's so much uncomfortableness I yeah I can't handle it yeah Mm-hmm. And I, so I would want a memory eraser for those people. So yeah. I could just be like, hey, everyone, look at me. That didn't happen. You're welcome. Oh, so you're being selfless and you're offering the memory eraser to people who really yeah. could use it. Well, I figure after a certain point, I mean, I'm going to use it on myself. Don't, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Which, if you use it on yourself, do you forget you have it? You might. Hmm. 
that's a conundrum. That is a conundrum. Something to think about. I'm going to have to get a hold of Will Smith. Find out the inner workings of this memory eraser. But I agree with you. Same idea. You can't erase some of the stuff. Cause... Yeah. And especially, I, I think, only with time did I realize that some of the awkward feelings, the the bad feelings, the, the shame especially, were things that... I don't know if I needed to take on, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think that kind of relates to our theme again, where, um, you know, as we said, this is about being convinced maybe that you're crazy. You know, we've talked about gaslighting before Mm -hmm. and my first pick, my fiction pick I chose because, uh, well, let me tell you about the book first. It's called, um, the revisioners by Margaret Wilkerson Sexton. Mm -hmm. And this came out last year. And like I said, we've talked about the idea of gaslighting before where Mm -hmm. someone who is often an abuser or a manipulator, some kind of authority, is making someone else doubt themselves and make them doubt what may be abuse. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about that in domestic abuse, Mm -hmm. particularly in gender relationships. But in the last few weeks, you know, thinking about the protests that are happening right now, um, I've been taken by the idea of racial gaslighting. Mm. And I saw this Instagram post... Um, from a woman that I will um, link to in mm-hmm. the notes. And the idea is that for so many years, white people have been telling black people, it's not that bad. You're exaggerating. Right. You're too sensitive. It's just mm-hmm. a joke. You know, if you just work hard, you just follow the rules, there's no barrier to, see, to your success. Um, there's no such thing as systemic racism. You are crazy. This mm-hmm. is not happening. Right. And to me, when I saw that, it was like, total like light bulb like oh my god yeah this is what's happening is Mm -hmm. some you know black people are continually being told that they're crazy for seeing the world as it really is right so in this book the revisioners um we have uh, a few different storylines in modern times there's a biracial single mother ava who has just moved into her white grandmother's house with her 12 year old son And soon, her grandmother's behavior becomes pretty erratic and even racist. Oh. Then we flash back to 1924 to uh, Josephine, who is Ava's grandmother. And Josephine was a former slave. And at the time, she is now a a sharecropper. She owns a little bit of property. And now she has some new white neighbors. And Josephine escaped from slavery as a child. um, And... She and this white lady next door sort of form starting to be sort of a cautious friendship until Josephine discovers that she's been taken in by the KKK. So that's a oh, yeah, major, yeah, major problem. The women's branch, women's branch oh. of the KKK. Um, and then we're also flashing back to Josephine's childhood in 1855 on the plantation. And there's a community that's planning an escape, and they're called the Revisioners. Mm-hmm. And they perform these sort of very supernatural, spiritual rituals where they're attempting to get themselves out of slavery. So these three storylines going on um, all at the same time. And we've got some very real history, some elements of magic. Uh, what I love about this is sort of the span across time that, you know, the situation is, of course, changing over time. And by modern, re- excuse me, by modern times, white readers might be like, look, everything's better now. Racism is done. Right. Yay. Mm-hmm. But as this book shows, and I think this is a big point of this book, is you're never free of previous generations. Like we're always a result of what came before us. Yeah. They live in us. And so it could be said that for blacks, it's a legacy of an oppression. And for whites, it's a legacy of being the oppressors, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that's really explored in this modern section with Ava, who's supposed to, she's supposed to acknowledge how good her life is in comparison to Josephine's or to, you know, the the ancestors before her. And she's continually, especially by her grandmother, made to doubt herself and her experiences. And I found an interview with the author where she says that one of the main messages I wanted the readers to get from the book was that there is intergenerational trauma. There's also intergenerational strength and wisdom and power that's mm. passed along from our ancestors' struggles. Wow. So really powerful book. Yeah. I think it's um, really interesting to read right now, thinking about racial gaslighting, yeah. you know, some of the things that have been going on. So, yeah. Wow. Really enjoyed it. I like that frame that you put around gaslighting. We don't usually think of it in that way, but that's so accurate. And, you know... 
when you talk about gaslighting, sometimes you go, you know, you talk about the long-term effects of that on someone. And when you put it in that light and you talk about racial gaslighting and then, you know, people that can't get there and see mm-hmm. why, you know, people would be this upset. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. I think it ties to your pick from last week, white fragility, mm-hmm. where we, we being white people mm-hmm. haven't had to challenge ourselves and think about that. So it's just kind of been passed on and on and on. And, and then we keep doing it. We keep gaslighting mm-hmm. people and saying, oh, no, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. That's not happening. Yeah. And I think when you're uh, that's one thing, too, that I think is a skill that we probably don't spend enough time on teaching people, which is having a difference. Not that it relates to what we were just talking about, but mm-hmm. having a difference of opinion you can do that without gaslighting someone. Yes. You know, you can yes. do that without saying, well, you're crazy. That's wrong. You know, and that's a skill, though, that you have to teach that people tend to get defensive about their own way of thinking. Very much. Yeah. And if you give people the communication tools, then they can talk about it without making the other piece, person feel like they're dumb or whatever their idea is has to be wrong. And so, but, you know, who learns that skill ever? Unless no. you teach yourself, you know, <laughs> come on. Again, that's a logical thing that we should be taught yeah. and use, but no, no. that's silly. No, exactly. no, exactly. Well, uh, the book that I picked for my fiction pick this week is called Long Bright River by uh, Liz Moore. I just picked this up from the library. Oh, it's a good one. Ooh, yeah. Okay. It was just published in January 2020. Mm-hmm. That's funny because mine was a library copy too. Mm-hmm. So I like that we're both getting the same. Maybe person. I got your copy. <laughs> well, I haven't returned mine yet. Oh, so okay. All right. I just like that we both have the same yes. book. Yes. Yes, exactly. So it was uh, published by Riverhead, which is an imprint of Penguin. Um, so in this book, we have um, two sisters. Uh, the slightly older sister is Michaela. They call her Mickey. And then we have Casey. And they've kind of been dealt a, a tough uh, hand of cards. They, um, her, Their mother ends up being addicted to substances and dies when Casey's a baby and Mickey's pretty young, has a few memories of her, but is very young. And they end up being raised by uh, their mother's mother. And she is tough and she's grown up very poor. And the girls now are obviously in this situation. And so she has very little time for empathy, sympathy, even really affection. And she manages to basically push their dad out because she blames him for her daughter getting hooked on the stuff because he was also a drug user. And so it's a very tough, you know, they grow up um, kind of really only having each other and they take kind of the two quintessential paths. Mickey takes this path and becomes a police officer and Casey takes another path and is addicted and is living on the streets basically. So the book opens and we're following Mickey on her patrol and she's realizing her and her sister in the years have come to kind of an agreement like they see each other but they don't acknowledge each other they don't really talk or speak and she realizes in her patrol that she hasn't seen her sister in a while. And at the same time, we find out that there seems to be some sort of serial killer in the area that she patrols that is um, killing women that work on the streets, sex workers. And so right away, Michaela's Mickey is very upset about this and it's really weighing on her. She's starting to feel like, okay, this is something's going on. I don't know where she is. And everything is getting really twisted. And so I picked it for this because from there, there are so many twists and turns that I mean, I can't even tell you anything else because it would ruin it for you, but so great. It's like a, it's like a mystery wrapped in a story about empathy, Hmm. which is very interesting. It's like you're, she does such a brilliant job of explaining the faces of addiction and the parts that people like to push away and not recognize or say that's their fault or, you know, if only they could get sober or, you know, and really puts a face to it helps kind of give light to the fact that sometimes these choices are basically made for us. Um, So there's that element. There's the mystery element. There's like multiple mysteries within the mystery. But the main character, Mickey, that you're following, you feel like quite a bit that she's lost. Like no one around her is giving her a lot of good advice or helping her. They're kind of pushing her into a certain area that they like where she stays. Just be a police officer, mind your business, let the detectives do it. Or just be a police officer, don't worry about it. She made that decision, you know, or yeah, you saw something maybe that you think is important, but nobody's going to listen to you because you're female on the force and we don't want to hear about it. So there's all these layers of things happening to her, people convincing her that she's the crazy one and she's basically only has her gut telling her, no, something is off. 
So very really draws you in the characters draw you in kind of the the path that the story takes is so interesting i thought besides just being a great mystery i mean it was brilliant for that there's such a deeper important discussion about empathy and how we treat people when we're not happy with the decisions that they make Mm -hmm. so it was real good so if that's ever a quote to put on something, it was real good. <laughs> I know I've said something similar in the past, like, real good. It was real, real good. good. That is. <laughs> who gave that lady a podcast? <laughs> we gave ourselves this podcast, yeah, which is why we can say a book is real, real good. That's probably why you're never going to see a blurb by me on a book. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine, like, you get a copy of a book and yeah, you start right back. back. Real <laughs> good, Aaron. <laughs> Should I ask you to blurb my book when it comes yeah. back? <laughs> Just real good. Real good. Real good. I'm also imagining like getting a advanced copy that you have to send the blurb back into yeah. the publisher uh-huh. and that's what you write and they're like, "Huh. Huh. Yeah, okay. You're off the list." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Could you elaborate? Nope. Nope. It was real good. <laughs> think uh you've got a future as a reviewer and a blurber i think for sure yeah i'm gonna get in it (laughs) (laughs) well my other genre book is called heavy by keese layman from 2018 so keese grows up as a black boy with his mother and grandmother and this book is written to his mom she's the you in the book And the mom is a really complicated figure. I forgot to mention this is a memoir. I think that was evident by what I was just saying. But just to be clear, this is a memoir. Yes. And um, his mom, as I said, very complicated figure. She's an esteemed professor, but she beats him regularly, saying he needs to be perfect in order to be safe. She forces him to write long essays explaining himself. Uh, She's constantly berating him for his weight, too. Mm. And because as he grows, she's trying to gain this foothold in academia. She's a political scientist. There's never much money and always an empty fridge in a pantry. So maybe because of that food scarcity, maybe because of a number of other reasons, really, um, Keese has a love and a hate for food. So his weight grows and then it shrinks as he's trying to control it with anorexia, insane Mm. exercise, He never feels comfortable in his body. As he grows up, goes to college, he becomes a professor and writer himself. Still, always, always torn up about how he looks, how he feels. Overall, this is just a beautiful, heartbreaking book. Um, And here's what I particularly liked. I think, you know, as you and I have discussed many times, our culture is weight obsessed. Mm -hmm. It is constantly scrutinizing our bodies. It is telling us we're not good enough we're too fat or too thin, mm-hmm. we're too round or we're too straight. Women, of course, we get it a lot. But as this book shows, men get it too. Mm-hmm. And our culture is designed to make us doubt ourselves, to make us crazy, mm-hmm. to make us doubt, you know, like we are okay as we are. Just that very basic idea of accepting our body as it is. Our yeah. culture says, nope, that's crazy. You mm-hmm. can't do that. So you can't think about anything else, really, when you're dedicating all of your mental and physical energy in trying to be smaller to fit this fantasy. So there's that aspect of our culture being weight obsessed. But there's also our culture is deeply rooted in white supremacy, which means that our culture and our laws are saying that black bodies are not as valuable, Mm -hmm. not as beautiful, um, and that they could, in fact, get you killed. And that's designed to make you crazy, too. Mm -hmm. So both of these things are just they're coming to fruition by making him feel absolutely nuts or trying to be convinced, trying to convince him that he's in the wrong for just existing the Mm -hmm. way that he is. So he's trying to live with both of these two crazy making cultures. And the book is him trying to separate truth from some of those lies, the truth of some of his past, the truth of his mom, the truth of how messy it is to be a human in mm. this world. I love the title here too, the the idea of heavy, yeah. because it's really talking about just how heavy it is to live under our culture, especially those two aspects of our culture. Mm-hmm. A culture that's just constantly gaslighting us, mm-hmm. you know, um, especially gaslighting the most vulnerable, the most oppressed. 
And I like the idea, too, of how heavy shame can be. And mm-hmm. this book, and in many ways, is about shame of just living in a damn body mm-hmm. in this world. So, as I said, very, very affecting, very personal, but yet very... Um, it's one of those books that if you're trying to better educate yourself in this time of protests and uh, understanding systemic racism, this would be a great one. Because yeah. like I said, it's individual, it's personal, but it's also contending with this very universal crazy making culture that yes. we have. Oh, that's been on my list for a long time. I need to get to yeah, it. Yeah, it's really good. great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What a, and perfect. Both your picks are great for right now to you know, take up and get some further education. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so the pick that I, um, nonfiction book I picked, I know that Amy has read this as well, so you can chime in anytime. Ooh. Yeah, so the book I picked is Why We Can't Sleep by oh, Ada Calhoun. I almost picked that for this. I kind of yeah, wondered. I was yeah. like, I had the thought that this might mm-hmm. be the second time we picked the same mm-hmm. book. But it was uh, published in January of 2020 by Grove Press. And the whole basic premise of the book is that the author kind of found herself in this like midlife crisis, like just really unrest, not content, not feeling great. And she couldn't pinpoint why. Like, mm-hmm. technically, my marriage is fine. My kids are fine. My job is fine. I'm not necessarily, like, financially strapped. It's just what is wrong? Kind of this malaise, almost. And so she started doing research and found that a lot of Gen X women were in the exact same boat as her. They're kind of positioned right between boomers and millennials. And they're just kind of lost, which symbolizes so much of that generation anyway. Because they were the ones that were raised to have it all Mm -hmm. and to have, instead of being heard and seen, you should just lean in and you've got the world by the tail and this shouldn't be that hard. It's all on you. You can do it. You can do it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's all the whole onus always lands on the person instead of really looking at the whole culture and how it's set up. So I know that you read this book and you had the same reaction to it that I did. Um, I fall where my birthday falls that some people would consider me a millennial. Some would say Gen X. I would Mm -hmm. say I identify more with the Gen X. I would say you do too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I qualify more in that. And this book spoke to me a lot on that level of, you know, we were, we've talked about this. Like when we got out of college, we were like in the middle of a time where jobs were scarce and it Mm -hmm. was hard and, but no one really recognized that it was always just this, do it. You did it. Like you went to college, you got the degree, make it, yep. you know, do it on your own. Yep. And there was never really any recognition of like, oh, you're, this is different than what we had, or this is different, a different place than we were. And judgment almost from yes. the previous generation. Well, it wasn't that hard. Why is it so hard for you? That makes no sense. Why are you complaining? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There was this idea that if you're not content or happy, it's because you haven't figured out how to mm-hmm. be happy. You know, you haven't figured out how to make your life feel like you want it to instead of you know, really getting into some of that stuff. It's more, you know, like the lean in philosophy and the, well, you're just not looking at it correctly philosophy instead of like, no, really what's going on Mm -hmm. here. And she Mm -hmm. was finding that the more and more people she talked to more and more people were having the exact same experience. So there's tons of great anecdotes in there. Great stories. Um, I also really like that it offered some solutions or some ideas for moving forward. Um, And I picked it for this because I think that that happens not just to Gen Xers. I think it happens to people and especially females a lot that we're told that our emotions make us crazy. If you have an emotion or feeling that someone else can't empathize with, well, then it must be you. Mm -hmm. You must be insane Mm -hmm. because who would feel that way? Right. Instead of ever feeling like your feelings are just valid, like you have them and you're allowed to have them. We've always been taught that if they're not right or they don't fit in the right box or the right category at the right time that there's something wrong with us. Mm -hmm. So I really thought that this book, it just hit some of that stuff really well. And the title, Why We Can't Sleep. Yeah. (laughs) Right? I I really appreciate it. And I fall at the tail end of Gen X. And I like, first off, that she defined it. Because Mm -hmm. sometimes it's so confusing Mm -hmm. how people call... And here she defined it as those between born between 65 and 80, Mm -hmm. I think, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I liked, too, that... She very, like, plainly, just through statistics, described the world we were raised in as then the world that we sort of came of age in Mm -hmm. and why it's making us crazy. Yeah. And that was huge. It was like, yes, those were all my experiences. I thought it was maybe just me. And I just figured, like, I'm feeling weird 
because it's just me. I didn't think other women were feeling that way. I didn't feel, yeah. Especially that that idea of like having it all. You can have it all. You can have the career you want. You can have the family you want. You can do, and there's never any discussion about the fact that that's impossible. Yeah. That's not even a thing. Yeah. And she went to a lot of effort to say like we were born after, you know, the the second wave of feminism. And so it was assumed like, okay, you got all your rights. Now you can, you know, be a mom and you can be at work and, you know, do everything a woman is supposed to do mm-hmm. and apparently never sleep. Yeah. No. And that's why you can't. That's why you can't. All you keep thinking about is all the stuff. It's like a little <laughs> gerbil wheel in your head that you can't get off of. So this book will make you feel better about that. <laughs> Do you find that gerbil wheel has uh, sped up during the pandemic? It did. And then I feel like I've effectively found a like a little wedge to Ooh, stop it sometimes. How? just you know we've talked about this a little bit that i just at a certain point i was like this cannot continue Mm -mm. like this kind Mm -mm. of level of anxiety and need to be productive and i just decided i'm gonna embrace the the slow downness that this has brought i'm gonna embrace it i'm gonna make it part of my life and that's what i'm gonna do Mm -hmm. and you and i've talked about that in terms of like planners even like yes not thinking that we're gonna get 55 things done in a day it's okay and then okay. getting pissed at ourselves when we weren't getting it yes. done. Yeah, you're yeah. right. It's sort of, we're sort of changing our expectations for every day as well as, you know, long term. Mm-hmm. You've also started running, Erin. Yeah, yeah. Yep, I have. <laughs> and as I say it again, I'm just like, wow, Erin's running. It's not like, it's okay. We need to be clear about something. I just, I want you to talk about it because it's just, it's a wonderful <laughs> crazy making idea in my head and I love it well I get it all started because I got like this walking pad thing Mm -hmm. that's not like a full treadmill it doesn't take up as much room and I've been walking and we talked about the book burnout yes and a big part of the book burnout has to do with completing the stress cycle that if you don't ever give yourself the physical outlet which previously I was probably completing it sometimes by crying in the shower yeah but I thought maybe there's more productive ways (laughs) more effective ways less emotionally draining ways Yeah, yeah yeah And so I started and it's not, to be clear, there's no thought process about weight in this. Oh, no, there's no. no. Thought and I didn't about, mean it that no, way. No, I know yeah, you yeah. Um, But I'm, I think that's important because I think that's helpful for people to understand yeah. why it's a stress reliever. Because yes. it's not like another thing I'm adding where I'm like, oh my God, if I don't do this, I'm going to gain 10 pounds. Yes. Like, I couldn't care less. Nope. So it's not about that. It's not really like a health issue. Like, oh, you need to walk so much to keep your heart healthy. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. None of that. It's really just the act of doing something physical and honestly, just a little piece of time to myself. And so I've been walking quite a bit for the last month and a half and then it just sort of evolved into like I think I need something a little faster to help kind of complete the cycle yeah and you know I've been doing it and it's enjoyable and so that's what it is it's fantastic I love it yeah so and but I've been that's kind of a good example like I've just been trying to yeah because I think another thing that this book that I really um related to was you never feel like the thing you're doing that at that moment is right. Like if you're putting time into work, then, oh my God, my kids will need me yep. and I'm ignoring them and I'm not helping them and I'm not playing with them and I'm not raising them correctly. But then if you're spending the time with your kids, you're like, I'm ignoring my career and it's all going to come crashing down and mm-hmm. I'm not working hard enough and I can't get there. So and if you're taking time for yourself, then what are you doing? Yeah. You, you can't be doing that. Exactly. Even though that's what we're told. Take some me time. Do mm-hmm. some self-care. All of these messages are contradicting each other at yeah. the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even the expectation that comes along with that, you know, self-care is, oh, get a massage. Well, that's not financially possible no. for everyone. Take a bubble bath with this crazy tray with wine and black bombs. <laughs> Forgetting the fact that chocolates. your son likes to follow you yes. into every room. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. There's no like real world example of self-care being like sit in the shower and cry because that's the only place someone isn't going to find you. Yeah. I mean, we, we've we been talking about that a lot. I need to probably back <laughs> off. <laughs> People are going to think I have a problem. Well, I mean, in reality, you've yes. been in quarantine for a long time. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, you just... You kind of wanted a little space and time for yourself. Yes. And I'm sure that this is helping in that way. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a good, it's, this book will help, I think, if you're feeling that even now in yes. quarantine about. Yeah. In fact, I think it was a good read during quarantine mm-hmm. to help sort of reinforce what we were talking about, where we were realizing like, wait, maybe we were burning ourselves out, mm-hmm. you know, before this. And that really, um, by showing like all of these contradictory messages and expectations that we're getting that are 
impossible, mm-hmm. it kind of helped us along that route, I think. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. So why we can't sleep. Why you can't sleep. Hmm. She nailed it down for you. Whereas I, in, in since quarantine, have been sleeping much more. My daily need has gone up to like nine or ten hours a night. See, and but I would say that's because you put some of this stuff to bed. Yeah, that's said, true. Forget about it. Yeah. Guess yeah. what I'm going to do? Sleep. Mm-hmm. That's a normal human thing to do. <laughs> sleep. Sure is. Well, pop culture wise. Yes. I chose a limited series from Netflix. From last year, uh, there's four episodes, each about an hour long. It was directed by Ava DuVernay. It's called When They See Us. Mm. And I just watched this like a week or two ago. And uh, yeah, I think when this had originally come out, I knew it was going to be tough watching. And so I pushed it off. because I was like, ah, I'm just not in the you know mood for that. Um, but increasingly, I saw this as... One of those, it's being um, encouraged, you know, white people to watch particularly mm. to uh, make us a little bit more aware of certain history and things like that. So I finally did. So the show is this. In April 1989, five teenage boys from Harlem are picked up by police the night a white woman jogging in Central Park is brutally raped and beaten. I think a lot of us may know this case, mm-hmm. the Central Park jogger case. Yep. It became extremely high profile. Because it was high profile from the start, uh, the lead investigator very quickly decides how this case went down, that these boys ganged up on this woman, despite the fact that there's no evidence linking the boys to this case, and that most of the boys don't even know each other. Like, they're Mm -hmm. mentioning names, and they have no idea. So the police begin a process of pushing these kids to confess. Most of the kids are 14 and 15. And they are kept alone in police custody for hours and hours without their parents, without any food, without any breaks. I mean, it's it's almost like torture scenario when you think about it. They are scared. They're confused. They are repeatedly told they can go home if they just admit to what the cops already know. And so the cops are piecing together this mm-hmm. confession from all of these kids. So it's the start of this absolute nightmare because then these confessions that they're forcing the kids to give are used to send the kids to jail, um, despite no other evidence, despite the fact that in um, in their trials the kids are like, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't admit or I admitted to this under these pretenses mm-hmm. or under these this context. They are splashed all over the media as the killers. And so the younger kids, the 14 and 15-year-olds, they go to juvenile detention. But one kid who's 16 is sent straight to Rikers Island as a teenager. And all of them, in all, they serve between like 5 to 14 years each. Um, And this all, you know, their prison sentences are done. They are, most of them are out in the world. And then someone else finally admits to the crime in like 2002. Only then are these five people exonerated. So, like I said, this is tough stuff. And when it came out last year, I knew it would be. So yeah. I kind of avoided it. But in the last few weeks, you know, I was seeing this recommended. I realized, like, that's kind of a privilege that I can avoid that. You know, that's kind of oh, like, that's a, you yeah. know, like it's yeah. kind of like I really should know about this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, I watched it and the show is like I, I shouldn't have avoided it because it's tough, but it's extremely touching. It is mm. very um it's it's heartbreaking in a lot of ways but it's it's really kind of encouraging in some ways too if that makes sense um it that first episode where they're pressuring these boys i just thought about like what if i was their parent and my kids Mm -hmm. were being subjected to this and i maybe because of my socioeconomic status because you know i'm black or i'm latino i'm somehow tricked out of the room or i'm encouraged to tell my kids to confess to get them to come home and that was a horrifying horrifying thought um and i picked it because it's crazy making in a way you know these boys are told again and again by cops by the judge by the jury um by society that they are guilty that they are animals um and for them, like, because they're so young, because everyone is telling them that, you know, this is the case, holding on to that, that idea that they're not crazy, that they're, that they actually didn't right. do it is yeah. really hard. Yeah. And in that mind, it was sort of the ultimate gaslighting in a way, you know? Right. Um, so I watched this and then let me also recommend there's a special that goes with this where oh. Oprah Winfrey brings, because she's one of the producers, mm-hmm. she brings together Ava DuVernay, some of the cast and crew of the show 
and then the actual exonerated five and brings them all together in this extra hour special and that it's really cool to watch it after the show is done because they talk about somehow like how the show was created but also then they talk to the actual men um so together it's like five hours of tv it's gonna stay with you for a long time because i think this will stay with me for a long time too yeah wow yeah Good pick, though. Whew, That's yeah. a good way to say it, too, that, you know, our privilege allows us to act like we don't need to see it or face something. Yeah. Tough. Well, um, the pick that I picked for this for pop culture this week is a movie. Um, it's came out in 2015. It has Bradley Cooper, Sienna Miller. It's called Burnt. Cool. And it is uh, Bradley Cooper plays Chef Adam Jones, who basically had everything and then lost it. Like he was this incredible award-winning chef. He was a two-star Michelin chef. He just had some bad habits, some addictions, some things that took him down. And so he's had to basically work his way back up. And so he kind of had to humble himself, take him to the basics again. Like he kind of puts himself through the basics of cooking again until he feels ready. But he has to find a restaurant that is going to allow him to come back because his reputation was so ruined. He is also going to need people, you know, in the restaurant to support him in the uh, kitchen because he wants to go for his third Michelin star. So it's the story of him coming back and trying to take what he learned and putting that in action. And then also seeing the after effects of things that people do that, you know, how other people hold on to that, how he mistreated people. And then they held on to that because, you know, he made them feel crazy. He made them feel like it was their fault Mm -hmm. and how that affected them and their careers. Um, I also picked it because it's just, it's very raw. It's very emotional as a movie. Um, But it also, I liked it in this setting because you're kind of taking a really difficult topic and putting it in maybe a little bit safer setting. You know, we're in a kitchen, we're getting a third Michelin star. But it also had a lot to do with the addiction and the idea that when we think that we can get out of something we'll throw anything at the wall you know and that's that's what he did and that's that's the habit that he's trying to break is sitting with the fact that no it's me Mm -hmm. it's not everybody else you know and i liked that viewpoint i like looking at kind of the gaslighting idea from that from the idea of the person that's maybe doing it yeah Yeah. seeing that where that comes from sometimes Mm -hmm. it's very hard to have empathy for someone like that a lot yeah if you could take a step back and look at it you know that's something that is really interesting, important, and I think it helps you kind of figure out where where someone's coming from. So um, I really enjoyed the movie. I remember I saw it in the theater. Remember the theater? What? I know. Oh, I remember going to theaters. Oh, remember when we would go to theaters together? We would. Oh, that was fun. And I would stare at you. Yeah. To see how you were acting. And we'd sit very close. Very close. Like really oddly close. close. Oddly close. And close to strangers. Now I don't want your COVID body anywhere near me. Nope. Not you specifically, the other people. It's fine. I mean, if I have COVID, you don't want to sit next to me. But I'll take your COVID. I just won't take anybody else's. Okay. My COVID's the good COVID. Yeah, yours is the good COVID. Anyway, it's great. And it's very entertaining. And um, I I really enjoyed it. But I also think it's just, I mean, it's just a good movie. Mm -hmm. So even if you're just kind of looking for something good to watch. I like that idea of like seeing it from the other perspective. Someone has to contend with what they've done or how they've made other people feel Mm -hmm. crazy. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, there's, there's a couple hope. of gut punches in there, Ooh. let me tell you. Ooh, yeah. all right. Oh. I like it. All right. Hmm. Yeah. Well, we talked about some tough stuff. We did. But some good picks. Yeah. A lot of good picks. A lot of good picks. You know what I discovered this week, Erin? We got a new review. Someone <gasps> likes what we're doing. They like the fact that we pick tough picks they do sometimes yeah they like the fact that we used to sit together next to each other in movies they like the fact that i want to rub my covid fingers all over your eyeballs i think they like i mean they don't say (laughs) they didn't say any of that in particular but that's what i'm that's what i'm taking from it yes Yes. so i'm gonna read this review maybe give you listeners an idea of how to leave a review yes this one comes from Iowa Book Lover. So you know this person's going to be Artie, great. the best. Yeah. They, uh, this person says, the broads have great chemistry. <sighs> no It's lie. true. That's true. And are both so quick-witted. I mean. That's a nice way to put it. Yeah. I like that. 
I love the book choices and their banter. Amy's laughter is contagious. Oh, it is. I swear that's not why I chose to read this out loud, but I, I mean, I feel pretty good about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, This person says, I'm in two book clubs and I'm recommending their recommendations. Also, two book clubs. Look at you. Overachiever. Whew. Good, good on you. Yeah, I'm but impressed. But also, thanks for taking us to your book club. Yes. That's amazing. Spreading the word. Yeah. Oh. So great. Thank you, Iowa Book Lover. Yes. Honestly, thank you. And for everyone else, you know, maybe put those COVID fingers to good use and type <laughs> up a review. <laughs> We're not assuming that all our listeners have COVID. No. But if you do, Statistically, we still love though. you. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Are we? I don't know. I mean, we love you still. Mm-hmm. If you have filthy filthy covid fingers filthy filthy but use them to type leave us a review <laughs> and we'll read it yes we will in the meantime happy reading i'm up again Same night, another dream. Before trying this recording thing, I didn't remember much of anything of these dreams. I didn't remember much from any of the women. And one night of doing this, and it's broken things open. The dreams are, they're in me, and they're they're coming out of me, and... Talk to me. I am not broken. I am the most whole, most real. Their despair. I cause their despair. I wait for the word. I wait for the word. Witch. 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 Look at the mad woman in her cage. She was a woman with holes inside her. That was the heaviest factor. The final evidence. The heart of the issue. Somehow, you understand this. You. You. You hear me. Wherever you are, whatever this is, you... This isn't a dream journal anymore. It's not. That's just, it's just fact. (laughs) Because now this is, this is some sort of record. What are these dreams? Maybe there's a better question. Who are these women? Weird Woman is a Broads and Books production. All nine episodes are available January 10th. Listen and subscribe to Weird Woman on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. That's W-Y-R-D Woman, wherever you listen to podcasts.